promise me one thing, John. What's that? That you'll stay who you are. Not a perfect podcaster, but a good man. I think I'm on the right track. I'd say you are as well. I'll drink. I'll drink to that. Oh wait, you can't Thanks, have a drink. You're, you're, you can't have a drink. Your your procedures tomorrow. What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> well, welcome, welcome to Infinity Watchers, everybody. I'm Jared, as always, joined by my good friend John, where we discuss all things Marvel Cinematic and Universes. Uh, we got a lot to talk about this week with this week's brand new Falcon Winter Soldier. It was a very packed episode. A lot of character development, a lot of action, a lot of fun. Probably the best of the series yet. Yeah, honestly, I would probably say that. You know, we we at the end of the last episode, we kind of talked about our rankings. So, I mean, just a little preview of my thoughts. I think this is probably the best episode so far. Yeah. Um, it's close to the, the episode two was really good as well, but I think this tops it. Easily. But <laughs> before we get all to that, how was your week, John? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, nothing super eventful. It was um, you know, just working away. So, I mean, kind of a kind of an uneventful week. I had a nice busy weekend, so. That's that good. good. Yeah. No, it's always good to keep busy. Definitely. How about yourself? Uh, it was good. Um, did a lot of uh, rewatching some old stuff this week. I uh, ended up watching Space Jam just on a whim on like Tuesday oh, nice. or Wednesday. It, it, it didn't age well. It's not good. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the nostalgia's gone. It's just, it's not good. That doesn't bode well for the sequel. (laughs) (laughs) No, it doesn't. (laughs) Which is basically just beat you over the head with nostalgia. Ready Player One fashion. (laughs) Pretty much. Um, What else did I watch? I watched Store of Rock again Mm, on a whim. Fantastic one. It's great. One thing I wanted to mention I do almost every Easter weekend for the past couple of years is the the Saturday before Easter. I always watch uh, Monty Python's Life of Brian. Mm, the night before oh it's 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 a classic it's fantastic i I highly recommend it to anyone who hasn't seen it it's a great great time for around the easter holiday if you celebrate that but then every easter for the past year or two i always just listen to on repeat the original 1971 jesus trace superstar Mm. album yeah um and I, I bring this up specifically for a reason. Uh, one of the central questions and themes of that album and that show is uh, about symbols of Christianity and how people follow those symbols, essentially, what people do with those. And you and I missed a very important conversation when we recorded last week uh, from last week's episode that was brought up by Zemo, actually about symbols and it's actually doing i actually want to just bring this up now because it is going to play into what we talked about with this week's episode exactly how uh, zemo talks about how we build up people as symbols only to tear them down in the end in one way or another they don't live up to the ideals that we set them to yeah and he he you know makes the parallel between steve rogers and the red skull which probably isn't super fair no no it's not (laughs) a one but you know you you can kind of understand what he's going for and and you know how how his experience with symbols in his own life and how they've interacted and contributed to the events of his own life have sort of informed that opinion Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, a bunch of superpowered individuals who have been seen as symbols of hope for for the rest of the world literally destroyed his country. Exactly. So, I mean, it, it's pretty understandable why he's a little cynical toward anybody that is looked up to as a symbol. Yeah, and absolutely. That, and that he kind of has the hipster vibe or the hipster view of symbols are overrated. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, you know, in that conversation, um, Sam kind of expresses some of those same thoughts. You know, he's just wondering, should the shield even be destroyed mm-hmm. <laughs> because of, you know, the the complicated history that it has with Isaiah Bradley and, mm-hmm. you know, others. And that, that really kind of soured his idea of what that shield represents, mm-hmm. you know, unbeknownst to Steve. Oh, yeah. No idea about any of that. But, um, you know, now he's kind of and that, that really comes into play in this episode because that shield know, is it, now tainted. Yes. The shield is tainted. <laughs> spoilers. Literally. <laughs> and. There, there's even a conversation we'll get to later that Carly has that um, you know, echoes some of the same sentiment that Sam has. Right. And yeah, yeah we'll get to that a little bit later. But yeah. before we get into the discussion of the show, hit us up with some news, John. We had quite an exciting week, I think, in terms of news. You know, no, no huge announcements per se, but um, we got a couple new trailers um, that we'll talk about for some upcoming MCU projects. And, you know, we did get a little bit of casting news. So, you know, just to hit the casting news first, um, Renee Elise Goldberry has been cast in She-Hulk, playing a character named Amelia. And I found a few a few different Amelias that have been, you know, involved with She-Hulk in the past. I, I don't, they're not major characters. So it's, you know, mm-hmm. to speculate on that, it's probably not worth the time, really. So, you know, I, I think it's interesting. Um, Renee Elise Goldberry... Right now, it's probably most well-known for um, playing Angelica in Hamilton, mm-hmm. which is a role I think she she owned. I mean, that was, Pretty much. <laughs> that was a very, very good role in that musical. Yeah. I haven't seen her much in other TV or film-type roles, but um, I think she'll do a good job. I don't know what the character's about or what, what she could be playing. You know, with She-Hulk kind of being this 30-minute action comedy-type thing, you know, they've mentioned in the past that having different cases of different powered individuals that could come in and be um, represented by Jennifer Walters as a lawyer. So, mm-hmm. so it could just be, you know, I, I think there's going to be a big rotational cast with this one, people popping in and out. So who knows yeah. if this is a recurring role or just a quick one, but interesting nonetheless, you know, she joins, we, we don't have a lot of cast members, so this could be a more significant one. I think right now the only ones we know of are Tatiana Maslany as Jennifer Walters slash She-Hulk, um, Mark Ruffalo's Bruce Banner, Tim Roth as Abomination. Is that confirmed? I, I, I yeah. didn't realize he was coming back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was confirmed okay. at uh, Disney Investor Day, I think. Okay. <clears throat> so, yeah, th- those are the only three pieces of casting aside from Renee Lee's Goldberry that we have at this point. So it's interesting. It's going to be, going to be cool. Um, I think, you know, abomination coming back just as kind of an aside here you know i could easily see him being a member of the thunderbolts teams that we've talked about in the past and I, we're de- we're definitely gonna get into that in this yeah. one <laughs> yeah it, absolutely it, they're they, they're definitely they have to be setting up the thunderbolts at this point yeah is there um is there any idea of when uh, she hulk is supposed to come out i i, I forget based on how we're getting casting news there there's no formal announcement but it does mm-hmm. sound like um, it'll be an early 2022 show. Okay. Definitely not, definitely not this year, but I could see it coming next year. I think, honestly, outside of the shows that are coming this year, 
like confirmed to come out this year. This one has the most news backing it. There are casting like unconfirmed casting rumors for Moon Knight, you know, with Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke both attached to to starring in that. But yeah, I, I think She Hulk right now to me looks like an early twenty twenty two series. Yeah. So you would you would assume that one has a lot of work they have to do in post, you know, depending I, on how much I would assume as well. It depends. I mean, depending on how much they're truly I mean, Tatiana Maslany's not the bulkiest woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, well, I think probably, there is gonna be some heavy CGI, I would imagine. She'll probably be jacked by the time oh, the, show, yeah. the show's on the show airs, but yeah, she'll uh, get with those Marvel trainers and they'll, you know, yeah. do to her like they did with Chris Pratt. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're gonna see a a Lou Ferrigno style of no of, uh, no i don't cost so you <laughs> just bulk her up make her green yeah i don't i don't think they'll do that we're um, out of those days yeah for sure <laughs> um so the next little bit of casting news that we got um and this wasn't really formally announced by marvel studios but uh there's a kind of a very well-known indian actor um and his name is Farun Akhtar, and he um seems to be shooting for a mystery MCU project. Um, we, there's not a lot of context to this one. So, you no. know, it did seem to make some headlines in, in the Indian uh, film industry. So, um, so it could be something significant. Um, I don't think we have anything to really speculate on here, but um, just, I thought it was a notable casting that is worth you know, at least discussing. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, like you said, there's not much to really go on here. Uh, it's kind of, it hasn't been confirmed and it's it's more of a rumor at this point um mm-hmm. but i mean he's a very versatile individual when it when it comes to uh the movie industry he's a director an actor a singer and producer so i mean there could be a number of things that he could be working on with them his wikipedia page listed as miss marvel oh okay but i don't know if that's accurate <laughs> So it could be Miss Marvel. Um, I mean, that would make sense with that slated to come out this year. There aren't a ton of Marvel properties shooting right now, I don't think, outside of Miss Marvel. Well, I mean, there are a lot because we have a lot coming. But, um, you know, the things shooting right now, I believe, are Miss Marvel, Hawkeye, Captain Marvel 2, and Ant-Man and the Wasp. Okay. Um, Quantumania. Well, the, um, well, right now, it looks like the rumors that uh, he's signed on to a project and that uh, the project has started shooting in Bangkok. Interesting. So that, yeah, that could, who given, <laughs> given how, uh, given the locations Marvel has in its wheelhouse, that could be literally anything. Yeah. Very rarely do they even use the shooting location as, <laughs> yeah, like what the what it's representing in the in the story. I so, mean, for all we know, this is another part of Marjapur that yeah they're uh that they're using yep who knows yeah um so interesting uh casting there um another great bit of news um is the zemo cut was released by marvel studios uh, so after after last Love week's it. episode you know there was that brief scene of zemo dancing in the club um <laughs> daniel Bruhl kind of hinted that there were more scenes out there like that so re- released the zemo cut started trending and Marvel did it. I mean, they released a, a one-minute cut of just Zemo dancing, and it's great. And then somebody recut that into an hour. Yeah, of just it on repeat. Yep. 
it's I, I love it yeah it's it's pretty great definitely worth checking out <laughs> Good. yeah if you need if you need a laugh for the day go check it out i i wish they would have just put the entire cut in the episode uh, it would totally it would not have worked at all but no it's hilarious <laughs> um, <laughs> um did you did you also see the uh the interview with sebastian stan um apparently like fans start coming up to him on the street and like over the past few years they've been coming up to him on the street and starting to recite the code yeah and he said it's the most painful thing to sit through because it <laughs> everybody does it and it's very uh it's very slow and repetitive mm-hmm. when they do it yeah yeah that was pretty hilarious <laughs> well now now they're probably just gonna run up and try and like rip his arm off yeah <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, mean, at the top of the news section, we mentioned the two trailers. Uh, The first one that was released was for Black Widow. Um, So it's been a really long time, pretty much, since we've gotten a new Black Widow trailer with new footage and and the like. Um, But we got one last week. Yeah, honestly, it's probably been close to that. We got got a new one. It has um, a lot of new footage in it. I thought it was really interesting. They definitely played the nostalgia card with the trailer, you know, including footage from previous Avengers movies, um, all the way up to and including her last scene in Avengers Endgame um, with her kind of dangling off the cliff there. So, um, yeah, you know, they're they're really playing up that angle of it. And they even had the, uh, you know, Avengers theme playing in the background for most of the trailer. Some of the more interesting pieces of this mm-hmm. trailer, I thought the the reveal that it, lo- it looks like that Red Guardian, um, David Harbour's character, uh, actually raised Natasha and some of the other um, some of the other women in the Black Widow program. Mm-hmm. Um, what's not clear though is like was he involved in that program? Did she was she stolen from him as a youth or something like that? There's there's kind of a scene later that plays on the same thing with Task Taskmaster and someone like some shadowy figure, I guess, directing him to bring her home, um, which could mean that you know she broke free of that the black widow program as we know she did and taskmasters um for lack of a better word tasked with bringing her home (laughs) so um (laughs) so just adding him just adding her to the checklist for the day of uh yeah of of what he has to do grocery shopping pick up pick up natasha pick up dry Mm -hmm. cleaning there seems to be a a sort of a mother-daughter relationship between natasha and yelena I'm interested to see how that plays out as that's not really a side of Natasha that we've seen. Um, but, you know, there, it, there's a lot of dialogue from Yelena that, you know, talks about how she looked up to presumably Natasha. Um, it could be a different character she's speaking to, but, but yeah, interesting. I mean, it basically looks like a Marvel mission impossible movie to me. So <laughs> I'm, I'm on board with that. Taskmaster is going to be a really neat villain that you know could potentially be in Thunderbolts going forward too if he if he makes it out alive. If Yelena has sort of a mm-hmm. checkered past in the way that Natasha does, you could see her joining the the Thunderbolts too. Um, if she's a little bit less heroic than Natasha is, maybe. Um, but I I think Ross you know will be kind of hunting Natasha down. Yeah. This is, well, I based on this being said after Civil War. Well, I, I just wonder if uh, if Elena eventually takes on the, the Black Widow name. I mean, it, it it's the only thing that would make sense to me, given how she did she Natasha's gone at the end of Endgame. Right. 
Well, this, I mean, there, there have been, um, so Florence Pugh, I don't think this has been officially, well, it has been reported by like the, you know, the big, the big trade sites like Variety, um, entertainment, um, that type of thing, mm-hmm. um, that Florence Pugh is all, has been cast in Hawkeye. Um, so she'll be returning as Yelena, um, presumably in a non flashback sense. So that would mean post Avengers Endgame. that series makes a lot of sense for her to show back up and just given, you know, Natasha's ties to Clint and, um, maybe Clint even has some knowledge and ties to Yelena as well. Um, so I, I think, you know, going forward, there is a good chance that she would take that mantle. And, you know, I just don't know if that's going to result in her being on like an Avengers type team or, you know, if she um, is a little bit more of an, a, in an anti-hero type role, mm-hmm. um, depending on, you know, her role in Black Widow, um, she could end up on the Thunderbolts. So, so I mean, that's kind of an interesting, you know, I think she definitely has a future in the MCU, though, as a as Black Widow with that mantle. Right. So. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they either, you know, did a Disney Plus series revolving around her. Um, if Hawkeye could, you know, one of the episodes act as a soft pilot for that. Yeah, and I don't think they would it, cast somebody. It's hard with to say, the but she has some sort of Florence future. Pugh has been garnering over the past two or three years without some intention of keeping her around. Well, I, I think this is another like foresight casting by Marvel too, because you have mm-hmm. to think of <laughs> she probably got cast two years ago at this point now for this movie because of the delays and everything. So if she filmed, I mean, you have to think she probably filmed most of this stuff in 2019. So, I mean, they, I think they really got in on her before she broke out with, um, you know, the, uh, midsummer. Yeah. And, see, I'd never, um, I, I still have not so. seen midsummer, midsummer, uh, believe it or not. Uh, the place I know her from is little women of all mm. places. Yeah. Uh, but so, yeah. Um, I think I think if you took stock in her a couple of years ago, it's paying off in dividends right now. Yeah. And I mean, that just goes back to the MCU's track record with casting. I mean, presumably this is a great casting. I mean, she's a great actress and, oh, a, and a big role in a in, in a marquee Marvel movie. So you, <laughs> I, I think it's great casting for what they're going to do with the character. And, you know, she can stick around for a long time as well. See, um, this is this is why I always say that. I'm a, I'm a big follower of the award shows. Um, this is why I always say there should be a best casting uh, award of some sort mm. because Sarah Finn of all people deserves one. She's done practically the entire MCU. Right. And it, it, I can't think of anybody that should be recast or changed or. Exactly. And And there are so many like, off the wall like seemingly out of the box casting Picks ideas that, that yeah, work that work like what led bradley cooper to <laughs> audition as rocket <laughs> raccoon like did they reach out to him like i've never heard him do that voice before so like how did they i, I just it's just crazy like stuff like that it's yeah. just wild to me yeah <laughs> and like uh, i mean you look at the the cast for some some upcoming projects like particularly the one that sticks out to me big time is eternals like the cast oh, yeah. in that movie is unbelievable it's stacked absolutely stacked and like you know there there are a few lesser known characters that you know you could easily see breaking out um in that too you know as well as the marquee names i mean they 
Angelina Jolie, Richard Madden, Kit Harrington, Salma Hayek. Uh, I mean, Gemma Jamal. Chan probably is up in that cat, like maybe not in the Angelina Jolie <laughs> tier of well known, but she's very, um, I would say, very well known actress. Same with uh, Brian Tyree Henry. Yeah. Like, <laughs> who, who does that? Who, it, who does this? Yeah. Brian Tyree Henry is great. Uh huh. I, it, we'll, we'll go over fan casting at some point, but um, I definitely, <laughs> in some of my fan casts for, you know, Fantastic Four and X Men, otherwise, I definitely tap into Atlanta a lot because <laughs> that Easily. show is just so good. Easily. <laughs> So, um, but anyways, yeah, that's, that's the Black Widow trailer now that we've talked about casting for a while, <laughs> but I mean, Black Widow too, David Harbour, it's, uh, oh, speaking of, speaking is going to be great. Speaking of casting for the next trailer for Loki, Owen Wilson in the exactly. MCU, I, I never thought I would see the day where that happens. Exactly. And he looks <laughs> fantastic. Like what he does. What a weird role. I mean, he just fits that whole aesthetic <laughs> that they're going for, like the, the 70s office building for the time the tva it's just great so yeah we got it we got a new loki trailer this week um wow. the best one yet i think by far you know they kind mm-hmm. of i mean the plot the the overall plot we kind of assumed but they confirmed it in this to where you know they after loki escapes with the tesseract in endgame they scoop him up and they're like hey you're displaced in time now you're gonna help us <laughs> fix different timelines and stuff so um i mean th- this series aside from that being the general premise it could go anywhere i mean we've seen scenes of loki what in what looks like a destroyed new york you can see avengers tower in the background um i mean we get hints that loki's actually db cooper in some <laughs> timeline <laughs> i love that <laughs> we get some timeline where loki's running for office something he has a boat loki uh pin on it's surrounded by nordic what looks like nordic like viking type people i i just i i have no idea what the series is gonna be i love it i just i i do too i i my girlfriend sent it to me and she had sent it to me while i was at work and i said i haven't had a chance to watch it and she said you'll love it and as soon as i watched i texted her and said that looks like so much fun it does this might be one of the most fun looking things marvel has put out yeah a while because i mean it almost is going to function like what if will right like it's kind of i i i I mean i expect it to have some sort of ties into the general mcu um Mm -hmm. but you know you could just you you just don't know what it's going to entail i I mean Mm -hmm. if he's jumping between all of these different timelines anything could happen like it's just going to be a lot of fun like the speculation is on that is going to be like wandavision level i think i think people reading into everything there's going to be tons of name drops Uh, i think a lot of different cameos the easter eggs and hints are going to be wild we have hints of roxon being involved who's Mm -hmm. like hasn't really had a presence in the mcu so far outside of uh, agent carter show which i i would consider canon but yeah it's man it, some of the lines in the trailer just look hilarious too like the the oh, line where board. um i i can't remember owen wilson's character's name but he's sitting down with loki mobius and m mobius mobius m mobius which is uh, amazing um <laughs> there is a history with that character in the comics as well um but but yeah uh they're having that conversation and he's like he's like i need to know that i can trust you i can't really trust you right now and Loki's just like, why? He's like, you've literally stabbed people in the back 50 times. <laughs> He's like, I'd never do it again. 
<laughs> the delivery by Tom Hiddleston. He and Owen Wilson have great chemistry. They and do. One one funny YouTube video I can I that jumps to my mind anytime I think of this show is Tom Hiddleston is a great impressionist. And mm-hmm. at one point after the release of Avengers, he was doing some fan event, some panel somewhere, an interview somewhere um, where he was taking fan questions. And someone asked him to impersonate Owen Wilson playing Loki. <laughs> Oh, I think I have seen that. And he did the speech from from Avengers 1 where he, um, you know, asks the crowd to kneel when they're in Germany. Yeah. And he did it as Owen Wilson, and it's perfect. And just, like, the – the uh, it's not intentional, but the meta, the meta like, casting of Owen Wilson in this Wilson. to play opposite Tom Hiddleston is just great to me. Because that, that video just I, – I, I love it. <laughs> It's going to be a fun series. I'm I'm so excited. Yeah, I just I love the fact that they <laughs> they wrote themselves into a corner and now they're rewriting timelines to get themselves mm-hmm. out of the corner. And that's something I'm really excited about too. Is just like un- more more um, lore and understanding about how time travel works. Yeah, because you know we're we're getting Kang the Conqueror and Ant Man mm-hmm. and the Wasp: Quantum Mania. You know we got time travel in Avengers Endgame. Um, and I, I really where they literally said, don't think about it. Mm-hmm. But now they're like, here's an entire series where we're jumping timeline to timeline. And here's the overarching like government body that oversees the different <laughs> timelines. And it's like, you don't want us to think about this. <laughs> it seems like you do. I don't know. But it, uh, I, I want to know more about that because you can't. I, I, I take everything that we saw in Avengers Endgame to be this is how they understood time travel. At, at this time like this group of people the avengers understood time think they understand time travel and i think loki's going to show us a whole nother side of it I, no those guys were wrong that's yeah. not really how this works yeah it's like they they knew a little bit about it but like here's the uh, everything else like we saw on a screen in the loki trailer kind of a a, a timeline and there were branches coming off of it and it looked very similar to how um in endgame the ancient one laid out yeah. the timeline and you know pulled the different pieces apart Mm-hmm. um so you know i'm really curious like that that to me is is a fun idea of them just diving into the the whole time travel aspect and you know i really think this is definitely going to lay the seeds for kang the conqueror like he, he i has was just to have about some, to say that he has to have some history or something with the tva and mm-hmm. and they've they cast you imagine Kane the Conqueror going through filling out paperwork for the yeah. TV. <laughs> Can you verify this is everything you've ever said? <laughs> Please sign here. <laughs> but uh, they, I mean, his casting did come fairly early, like after Ant Man and the Wasp was announced. We haven't heard much else from that movie aside from his casting mm-hmm. and the new casting of uh, Cassie Lang. But you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see um, Jonathan Majors show up as Kane the Conqueror in this show, honestly. Or at least they they reference him in one way or another. Yeah, which I mean that's technically our you know Reed Richards confirmed of the week, right? Yeah, I it's, guess so. Uh, Kang the Conqueror in the comics, at least, is a distant distant relative of Reed Richards. So, you know, I think uh, I think Reed Richards is definitely confirmed for Loki. Yep. He'll be showing up in Loki. So oh, easily guaranteed. What if that's how they introduced Fantastic Four? He goes into the timeline where where they already exist. Could better yet, he goes into the Fox timeline. Oh my god, I I wouldn't (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised. Looks up at uh, looks up at her cloud and goes, "Is that is that Galactus?" 
Oh, how hilarious would it be is if they use the TVA to bring Deadpool in? Like they have him go through the, oh the, the paperwork process. They just pluck him out of the Fox timeline and like you have to fix the MCU timeline now. And they just throw him in. That would be great. I that wonder would if they be. would do something like that. That would be fun. I, I really kind of hope like not to go on a huge tangent here, but the Deadpool um the Deadpool 3 I, I just want him to just destroy the Fox timeline like on accident just completely wipe the whole timeline from existence well I mean there was there was the whole Deadpool kills series yeah so it, it wouldn't be out of uh out of canon for Marvel yeah. to do something like that I know <laughs> so he just accidentally presses a button and it erases an entire time yeah <laughs> but I, I think the TVA would be fun that would be really it would neat. be we did a well, that'd be like season. I don't want to say season two of Loki, but it'd be season one of TVA Adventures. Yeah, that would be cool. They bring in a different character every every season to try and reset the timelines, but they just keep chasing their own tail because while they're trying to fix timelines, they're creating new timelines. They should um they should do a, a Steve Rogers agent of TVA <laughs> uh, series where he's a TVA agent because he like putting the stones back. They plucked them out and helped them do it or something yeah <laughs> kind of cool but um yeah i mean loki looks really cool i'm extremely excited for it and we are like only two months away from it which is insane it looks like it's only six episodes mm-hmm. yeah it's the same as falcon the winter soldier that's one i could easily see them going back to though well, de- depending on how it ends but right it it almost a premise like that almost lends itself to multiple seasons yeah definitely so I, I think that's about it for the news we can hit our main topic of the week which will be episode four of the falcon and the winter soldier titled the whole world is watching and the whole world was watching <laughs> uh, absolutely this one was directed by Kari scotland as every week has been and then uh Derek kolstad returned as the writer of this one as well yeah, which was interesting um, because I felt like this one was a big tonal shift from last week. Easily. Like it, dropped, it dropped a ton of the comedy. Um, you know, it didn't really have that buddy cop feel to it that the other ones had. Um, and it didn't feel like a John Wick movie like last week's did. No. <laughs> no, but the, a- the action did still. The action was great, yeah. So just as a brief synopsis... Uh, John Walker loses patience with Sam and Bucky as they learn more about Carly Morgenthau. And this kind of is uh, more of Carly's background that we get this episode. Yeah, we do. Um, Early in the episode, we get that meeting between Carly and Sam. And uh, even earlier than that, actually, we get the, the, the discussion between Carly and another member of the Flag Smashers um, that becomes, that member becomes pretty important by the end of the episode. But um, they Dovich. Yeah, Do- they, they discuss a little bit about the background. He suggests that she should be Captain America because she truly represents what the world is now, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was a good line. And she kind of we we talked about this earlier with the, the scene from last week, but um Carly shares that sentiment with Sam that you know the shield should be destroyed. Like it doesn't represent the world as it is today anymore at all. Mm-hmm. Um well he even admits that Captain America was my favorite when I was growing up. I looked up to him. Steve yeah. Rogers was my favorite of the Avengers. Mm-hmm. And and I think I, this, you know, I'm glad we're starting with this because I can get some of my gripes for the episode out of the way. That's fair. Um, 
I'm having trouble sympathizing with the flag smashers much because they're just, I mean, they're straight murdering people. (laughs) Yeah. They, they, I get, I think what the problem is they haven't given them a true opposition. Like they're fighting like quote unquote, the system and they're fighting the GRC, but they, they haven't explained how the GRC mangled things. Like there have been hints like, Oh, they left these supplies for six months unattended or, or whatever. But I also am like, okay, it's been six months since everyone came back from the blip. Like no one in the world thought everyone was going to come back from the blip. So how, how would you expect any organization or anybody to be able to um, logistically put everything back yes, where it like, was? Yeah. Or like how, how would months. they be ready to accommodate all of that in six months? It's just like, it's an overload like, of the is, system on one yeah. in six months. It's not possible. I mean, we're, we just lived through, we're still living through that right mm-hmm. now. Right. <laughs> the world just shut down for a month and we're still dealing with the fallout of that. Yeah, let alone five years. I mean, like the system in the world was not ready to handle half of the people returning out of nowhere. Like, yeah, it's it. They did not give them. I mean, maybe they weren't doing a good job, but I don't know if it's possible to do a good job. And you have to assume <laughs> that the flag smashers have been operating for like a minimum of two months. So they really only gave them four months before like this isn't working. We're going to start stealing stuff and killing people. And I'm like, <laughs> OK, <laughs> like I get Carly herself. Like yeah. she, you know, I just felt like this funeral and giving her that mother figure was just like a kind of a cheap way to to make her relatable and give her like a like make you empathize towards her a bit. So I saw a really interesting theory about the Flat Smashers because that criticism you have is the same one I have. And it was the same one that uh, a YouTuber I, I occasionally go to uh, the channel is called Nando V Movies. Uh, it's one that he had as well, that the Flag Smashers just aren't well-written in general, mm-hmm. uh, that their goals are very um, scatterbrained. I, I mean, you get an idea that they're fighting the system, but why, as you said? But one theory he came up with, and there's not a lot of proof to back this up, but there's some rumors out there that there was actually a whole pandemic that was written into this show, like prior, oh. prior to COVID. There was a pandemic that was hitting Europe, and that was the whole thing with the uh, with uh, vaccines. Yeah, they mentioned the vaccines. They mentioned the vaccines, and that that was the whole thing with uh, Mama Donya uh, dying of tuberculosis. Uh, the the way he looked at it was that almost never on screen um, the cures are talked about, or that the the that any virus or any sort of um, vaccine is talked about. Granted, I, mean, I, I, I should I should rephrase that. The way he talks about it is that the the way the show is edited, it looks like they cut out a whole pandemic related plot, um, and they just kind of used ADR to throw tuberculosis in to um, to help with oh. covering for that. That there's a small tuberculosis outbreak in Europe that nobody's helping with but in reality he admits in his video that he might be diving too far into into this but um he thinks it's possible and he believes in his research he found that there was a an alleged writer for for disney or marvel or for this show that uh, had basically said, yeah, there was a pandemic-related storyline in this show, but once COVID hit, they had to like write around it at that point. 
mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. Um, but I mean, that would make the Flat Smashers goals a lot more uh, coherent to say that they're stealing yeah. vaccines, they're stealing medicine, and they're terrorizing groups that aren't helping poor individuals who are dying of this sickness. Right. Um, but since they had to write around it, I think it sacrificed a lot of their own development, but they could keep Carly's goals in there and Carly's mm-hmm. motivations in there as well. Yeah. And I, I think um, the only, I, I like that theory a lot. The only thing that makes me doubt it is like, you know, uh, there are a lot of scenes where we see people grouped together closely. Mm-hmm like without masks. yeah so maybe that's just the COVID in me <laughs> it's like the, the pandemic like we know what a pandemic lo- actually looks like yeah but like you know the funeral scene um you know everyone is crowded around that body whereas if it you know if there was a pandemic i can't imagine that that's but that, fair i mean that just might be because but it, know, we're it, looking it, through the lens of being in a pandemic right now so <laughs> yeah that's fair and i mean no not say no pandemic is the same but there i mean we lived through h1n1 mm-hmm. and we didn't have these same that's true these same measures granted that one was right. spread differently mm-hmm. so it could very well be that that this disease that's in the show he calls it variant act or virus X, just as a as a placeholder it's possible that it just uh spreads differently I would guess that they still had like the GRC and the blip stuff, but there yeah. probably is a subplot that was more of the focus of the flag smashers. And then maybe, maybe John Walker is what caused them to kind of like turn towards the flag smash or tur- turn towards the GRC by the end of the series when he goes after them um, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So that, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I could see them wanting to, you know, remove the, the pandemic threads of it. And that would mm-hmm. make more sense because that, I mean, you have the, like in the same episode, they're trying to paint them in a sympathetic light. You also have the, the broadcast when Carly and the other flag smashers are listening that basically talks about the, the people, the GRC officers. One of them was there like four weeks, had kids and yeah. died. And, and it's like, how, I don't know. How can like, you justify? How can you ch- talk this person down? Like they're going to mm-hmm. go to jail no matter what. So, right. um, well, that that actually brings up a, a a kind of a central theme to this episode. I noticed uh, it's more, and I'm labeling it as identity crisis. Mm-hmm. And you you kind of see it on Carly's face at points too that she sees that at times she, whether it's Sam pointing it out to her or during that broadcast or when she kills Lamar, that she realizes she is killing people, but to her the ends justify the means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it kind of, you know, there's that, there's a kind of a two-part conversation, um, part one between Zemo and Sam and Bucky, where Zemo calls them supremacists, mm-hmm. and then we have the callback later where Falcon's talking to Carly, and, and he's like, oh, so you want to create more super right. soldiers, and she goes, well, I'll do what I have to to have an army, and he goes, oh, so you're a supremacist then, <laughs> and she's yeah. like, no, wait, you you baited me into saying that, but then she also is like kind of realizing that he's right you know that i mean and sam's realizing zemo's right in that sense yeah and i mean zemo is completely right in, in everything he's saying in that in that speech uh-huh. the whole the whole idea of these super soldiers lead to a form of supremacy uh which i'm going to get into a little bit later because i'm starting to realize that that is the show's central theme in mm-hmm. general 
Um, we'll, we can get into that a little bit later, but he is right in saying that having superpowered individuals leads to supremacy in one way or another. Yeah. Uh, and it, there were two, there are two major inconsistencies with that though. One of which they acknowledge the other one they kind of do, but I'm kind of, uh, inferring what his reasoning is. First one is Steve that huh. they acknowledge, well, Steve, like you didn't try and kill Steve Rogers or Steve Rogers existed. Mm-hmm. And he's, he outright says there has never been another Steve Rogers. Right. Like he acknowledges that, yeah, his logic is flawed. He sees things in a, Zemo sees things in a very black and white way in this very gray world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he does acknowledge that Steve was the only outlier to his logic. Right. And the other one is Bucky. And Sam even acknowledges that at mm-hmm. one point and says, why are you using him if he's, if you hate super soldiers so much? Mm-hmm. But this is me projecting and saying and thinking that he knows Bucky isn't the winter soldier anymore. Mm-hmm. He, he, it, the first time we see him, she tries to use the code right away to see if it, it, it activates yeah. him. So he knows that Bucky is no longer a super soldier. He's no longer mm-hmm. a threat to his thinking or his way of, uh, or his yep. logic. Right. I, I think though, even like, if Bucky was good, he would be a threat to his logic. So I almost think this is more hinting that Zemo actually kind of likes Bucky a little bit. That's fair. <laughs> like, because he, he, you know, even Steve, he admits as a threat as like an outlier to his logic, sort of like he wasn't a supremacist, but he still does, would does not like Steve because he knows that more like Steve lead to supremacy, I guess. Cause he, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't like the Avengers as a whole, like right. being not super, not all of them super soldiers, but, know doing good but still he considers them supremacists which is a great line because they he's like nazis hydra um what do you say avengers yeah and, and bucky's like hey those are our friends well not the nazis, not the nazis. <laughs> so that's that pretty good um you know speak speaking of you know talking about bucky not being the winter soldier anymore the episode opens with that trip to wakanda and right we have bucky on that in front of that fire and oh it this is this is where i'm getting this identity crisis theme from yeah is that i mean he realizes he's no longer the winter soldier and that that the acting by sebastian stan in that scene is like as she's slowly saying those words and he is just breaking down and like fighting it as hard as he can and just the they keep the camera on sebastian stan's face as he's just breaking down completely and it man it it's it cuts you up it does that, and the, the, the god that was i was just gonna say that was pretty hard to sit through yeah and they they cut towards the end of it to to io and she <laughs> you could tell she's like kind of tightening up on her spear like am i gonna have to fight the winter soldier right now <laughs> you know and you know she, she probably has a couple times <laughs> yeah i'm sure because it's probably not the first time they tried that yeah but the the you know bucky just breaking in down into tears after he realizes that he's free from it and she's like james you're free oh man what a way to start the episode i never thought we were going to see wakanda even though we saw the dora milaje at the end of last week's episode i still didn't think we were going to go like in a flashback to wakanda which was just amazing so i have a theory uh speaking of wakanda i just wanted to mention um malcolm spellman has talked about this that episode five is basically going to burn the house down mm-hmm. and it's going to be insane. Uh, he did, he has confirmed there is a major cameo of some sort 
for episode five. And it's not just a, a Paul Bettany saying there's a huge cha- Luke Skywalker <laughs> level cameo. Like he, he's confirming there is a big one coming and to expect tears at some sort. And part of me, I can't get this out of my head. They started filming this in late 2019. I can't get it out of my head that this is going to be Chadwick Boseman's last performance that they're going to be in Wakanda. They're either they bring Zemo to Wakanda or it's going to be a flashback of some sort, but I can't get it out of my head that we're going to see T'Challa again. See, I, I feel like that it, to me would have been more plausible before this episode, because it kind of felt like the Dora Milaje came in to serve a purpose and mm-hmm. Wakanda came into the story to serve a purpose. And they did that. I I could see that though, because that certainly would bring tears like in more of a metal way. <laughs> We yeah. um, I uh, when I when I heard that, I mean, I I think a lot of people probably just go straight to Steve Rogers, and that's kind of where I went mm-hmm. with Chris Evans coming back. There were the rumors last year of him coming back to Marvel, and like, right. if there was a place, this would be this it. would be it. And I could see it being Chadwick. Um, another thing that makes me think it wouldn't be is like the fact that they're gonna like recast or not. They're not going to recast T'Challa mm-hmm. um in Black Panther two. So. I I don't know. It's it's tough. I could see it. I think it might overshadow anything else in the episode at that point. Which the which you know Chris Evans would do too, I think. Mm-hmm. In a different way. But um yeah, we'll see. So as we were saying about uh Carly, she she starts coming to these realizations that maybe she isn't right, but I mean in the end still continues on with her mission and still continues Mm-hmm. killing people to get what she wants and, and even her fellow flag smashers in the last episode kind of you know admit to her crossing a line a little bit there mm-hmm. so even in this one too right yeah but, so i mean yeah as carly's coming to that realization is when <laughs> you know john walker bursts in and that previous scene is pretty intense too with you know them standing outside waiting for sam to come in and sam confront or john confronts bucky and it manipulates him to get him mm-hmm. in, let him inside just saying you know do you want your friend's blood to be on your hands yeah but you know ultimately sam had it under control and was actually talking carly down which she just took as a betrayal when john came in you know right because he said he was he did lie to her and say he was alone so yeah uh i mean i mean technically he was alone at that point but i'm glad i'm glad to see that uh we see sam acting how a a captain america would doesn't go in guns a blazing or oh, fighting. Sure. He goes in to try and reason with her first. And I liked the the callback to the Winter Soldier where he says, I, I used to work at the VA, or I used to volunteer at the VA, helping mm-hmm. veterans uh, cope with PTSD and, re- and reintegrating into society. So give me a chance to talk her down. I know yeah. I can do it. Exactly. He does. Mm-hmm. He does until John blows the whole thing up. Mm-hmm. And wants to play hero. Yep. Because that's all he knows. He doesn't, uh, he, he talked about this with Lamar that they saw some stuff in Afghanistan that they might, they're not too proud of. Yeah. And the only thing he knows how to do is punch first and ask questions later. Exactly. So, and and I made the joke at the top of the episode about uh, promise me one thing that you stay who who you are, not a perfect soldier, but a good man. Mm -hmm. But I think that, quote looms over this episode pretty heavily 
Yeah. I mean, even looking back at before that quote where we had um, um, on the, on the training grounds where Tommy Lee Jones says, Oh, we want this, you know, this guy's going to be our captain America. He passed all the physical exams. You know, he's a top combat expert and, they, you know, they know that's not what they want because it serum amplifies everything about you. Um, and, you know, they wanted to amplify the right things with Steve Rogers. And, you know, the, the right things are definitely not there with John Walker. You can see he's he kind of is the opposite showing you, OK, what if <laughs> pretty much they gave one of the, the top of the line soldiers the serum instead of Steve back in the day. Right. And you would have had another John Walker likely if we could like rewind for a second and talk about how they found the funeral and got there <laughs> With, oh yeah you know there so there are a couple different threads you know they all go looking for information in their own way um there is a great scene with sam where he goes into the school where uh mama Danya taught and you know talks to one of the people in there and they they're not giving them any information and this is i think a great parallel to a scene last week with john walker mm-hmm. where he he's like don't you know who i am and slams that guy against the wall where the guy the the guy in the school says to sam i know who you are and i don't care pretty <laughs> much almost the same thing and sam you know is like he he feels for these people because he he doesn't slam the guy into a wall and say don't you know who i am like, yeah you know he he just knows that these are these are people that need help and he offers to help them uh you know they can't of, trust him given... knowing he knows that they're a flag smasher like location right like mm-hmm. well the symbols are all over the place too right and John Walker goes into the Flag Smasher hideout, busting things up, you know, throwing people against walls. Mm-hmm. And Sam goes in, you know, offers to help, relates to them, mm-hmm. you know, and just shows, again, why he's Captain America. Um, and then the, the other thread of someone trying to find information is Zemo creepily walking up to kids <laughs> singing nursery rhymes <laughs> and offering them candy. I thought that was so creepy, but it was so, like, so Zemo. Turkish <laughs> and, delights. And, Turkish delights, yep. And he... <laughs> They, you can see the girl whisper the location in his ear. Sam and Bucky know that that's exactly what happened. Yeah. They confront him about it. And he goes, yeah, she told me, but I, I need to keep my leverage over you, basically. <laughs> yeah. I was like, like when, when they did that, you know, I talked uh, last week about how I don't want them just to get easily duped by Zemo. Mm-hmm. But Zemo's like, yeah, I mean, I have to keep some things to myself because you, I need you to still need me around. <laughs> Pretty much. Which was great. He was like, I need to find the super soldiers, so I'm not just going to tell you and have you run off and do it for me. <laughs> and then he goes, my associate's up ahead, and she, there's that little girl. John Walker was like, what is going on? <laughs> great. It was nice to see kind of like that lighter side to Zemo, too. You know, mm-hmm. I felt in the last episode, you know, looking back on it after watching this episode, um, was, you know, most of Zemo's lighthearted moments were more comedic. You yeah. know, and this I felt was like genuine, like it was kind of funny, but like at, at the same time, I thought it was a genuine moment. Like he treated these kids well. He gave her money for her family, which I thought was great. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, just generally uh, cared for, for these kids in a way that, you know, he, he says um, his son used to love those candies as well. So that was kind of and a, I'm not gonna a, lie. a touching moment. I forgot he had a son up until that point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just in the past two or three weeks i forgot zemo had a family until yeah. that moment because they re- they've rewritten him essentially to an extent well he, i mean he, he always, still has oh you mean yeah 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 I, I, I mean i mean he was still a uh a, 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 a 
genius tactician in the Sokovian army, but just the uh, <laughs> the way that they've rewritten him to be this rich baron. Yeah, I don't know. It just I know I, what you mean. I know you know you know that I know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let's go with that. <laughs> yep, sure. <laughs> um, you know, and then back to the back to the the post funeral scene. You you know you have <laughs> the chase that ensues. You kind of I I kind of assumed John Walker was going to catch up to Carly first, um, mm-hmm. but you know it's Zemo and he just guns her down basically. He doesn't right. kill her, but um, well, because he has no reason to. He just needs to stop her. Mm, he needs to kill the super soldiers. I think he meant to kill. If he didn't, if if John Walker didn't crack him in the head with the shield right after, he would have killed her. I think. That's true. I that, think he just he he weighed the. It was like um, it was a win win situation for him at the moment before John caught him because he, he on one hand he had all of the vials that exist of the super soldier serum in front of him mm-hmm. and he just started crushing them instead um, and unfortunately he missed one. But um, the other option he had would just be to shoot Carly, which I think he just said, okay, I'll stop any more from coming and then I'll take out this one. Um, right. And he really did neither. So <laughs> unfortunately for Zemo. Yeah. So after the whole uh, chase scene, they go back to, uh, they go back to Zemo's place where the, yep. uh, where the Dormelage show up to capture him, which has was probably one of the best fight scenes I've seen. Yet. Oh Yeah easily i think it's the best one like you know there there are great huge action sequences but like as far as like intimate smaller fight scenes this was the best so far and i i I love that john just tries to i love how john just shows up too Mm -hmm. (laughs) unannounced yeah and And he just tries to like buddy buddy them yeah (laughs) they they don't they don't respect him or acknowledge him at all yeah, they're like the Dormelage has jurisdiction everywhere. <laughs> well, that 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 also that quote it, it's funny, but it it kind of plays into my my whole show theme of supremacy as well. Is Wakanda's foreign policy just wherever they show up? Yeah, they are the law. <laughs> I guess I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, don't... they never really had to have a foreign policy before the Black Panther <laughs> the events of the Black Panther movie. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Their foreign policy was like, don't let anyone know he exists. <laughs> but now, so. but now they just show up and say, okay, we have jurisdiction wherever we go. I'm yeah. sure the UN will love I, hearing that. It's probably not true. I mean, no. there might be ramifications for what they do here. Yeah. Um, but it's like a, you know, it's probably more of a covert operation. Yeah. But it, it uh, that that fight scene is fantastic, and just it is. seeing John just get wailed on, embarrassed by them. And I, and I love how Sam and Bucky are just throwing quips out. Yeah, like, look at strong, John. <laughs> Which is like, you know, tragic because in John's mind at that time, like his ego is just getting destroyed. And that mm-hmm. this is like the breaking point that leads him to take that serum later, right? Like, yeah. I mean, it, it uh, you can imagine that immediately after this fight, he took it, right? Because at much. the end of the fight, it's like he says to Lamar, they didn't even have the serum. They just destroyed him and... Mm-hmm. Well, you see One it on the, his face right after he gets up. He goes, they weren't even super soldiers. Yeah. Yeah. And like Sam and Bucky are making light of it just because they, I mean, to them, John's just this jerk, you know, yeah. <laughs> whereas they don't, they don't understand that he's like pretty much mentally unstable. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so they, uh, one of the, one of my favorite parts of this fight was at the end when the, uh, 
members of the Dormelage kicks the shield up and grabs it. Yes. I was just about to talk about that. Were you? I actually, oh. had, I actually had more respect for her than I did for John at that oh, point. Oh, for sure. <laughs> That's I mean, my Captain America right there. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> and that just chumped him too. Like, I, I don't know, just to see her do that. And like, she's like, I could take this if I want, basically. Like, <laughs> she's like, oh, we own Vibranium. Yeah. <laughs> we know how it works. Yeah. That was, that was a, oh, what a great move. <laughs> And then speaking uh, of vibranium. <laughs> oh, here we go. The uh, uh, the Bucky fighting AO was just. Yeah. I, I love that they put a fail safe into his arm. <laughs> yeah, very smart of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's we're, like, he just freezes not... and stops fighting. Uh, what? Well, <laughs> we're just, we're gonna put a fail safe in, just not tell you about it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they got. They got to keep some cards close to their own ch- to their chest in case he were to oh, yeah. relapse in one way or another. Oh yeah, that <laughs> yeah, that was funny. And I, I was it uh was it Sam or Zemo that was no, it wasn't Zemo because he escaped. But I think it was Sam was like, "Did you know your arm could do that?" And he was like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> but then you know Zemo <laughs> using the, all this commotion. Just as a way escapes. to escape yeah i hope this isn't the end of him in the series i don't think it is i don't think so either because he still has skin in the game right oh yeah like he'll see he'll see the footage that we'll we'll talk about later of john walker at the end of the episode mm-hmm. and you know he'll know that he thought he still has he work to it. do yeah. yeah well i mean he didn't kill or not all of the super soldiers are dead yeah true I think so, though he in his head he was like I destroyed all the vials and then true. if he knows that there's another one he might not say I missed one he might just say like there's still someone is making more serum or something like that so mm-hmm. um I think they'll I think something something will happen with Zemo you, you kind of get the sense it's not how he ends his time on the on the on the series um, <laughs> no the last time we see him he just crawls out of a hole that that seems a little odd yeah so you know john after that fight takes the serum he has that conversation with lamar oh, yeah. that it, it kind of I, I don't know if he already has taken it at that point or what it's you can't really tell but yes lamar would would you take the serum if you could and he was like yeah i would for sure and that parallels sam when zemo asked sam and sam was like no like absolutely not basically so um I think if if John hadn't taken it at that point, he definitely did after that conversation. Well, that, yeah. Lamar is like, you know, how many, how many, imagine how many people we could save if we had it. And, you know, which is super ironic. Yeah. For later in the episode. What well, leads into the kind of the next action sequences, um, Carly calling Sam's sister. Yeah. Which I thought was a weird scene, sort of. I liked. I like that she called his sister. I didn't think she needed to threaten him, her and the kids to make Sam come. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, I feel like just contacting her would have been enough. Yeah. I don't. Well, I guess I guess it, it plays into her character a little bit more that she's still willing to do anything. She's willing to kill an innocent woman and her kids even after the woman has already said John Walker does not represent me. Yeah. That, I just that, feel I feel like for me as a viewer like an unspoken threat just the threat of her knowing like i feel like by her calling sarah that is telling sam that you know his sister isn't safe the flag smashers know about his sister they know about his his nephews and Mm -hmm. and i think that would have been enough without the on the nose like 
that'd be bad for your for your sons if <laughs> and i mean i i think what it did was serve to get sam in his full falcon gear for the next <laughs> next scene <laughs> basically like he I shows didn't know up he had angry. it with him yeah he showed up <laughs> angry and and you know yelling for carly mm-hmm. um but yeah uh, I think in between there, we also got our Sharon appearance of the episode. Um, yeah, where which she's there's not enough of her in this. She's this basically episode. just an eye in the sky for them. Yeah, again. Which I, I saw someone point out that they were wondering if she's using the um, same like vibranium signal tracking technology that Hayward used in WandaVision. Oh, maybe. Um, spoilers to to track <laughs> vision. Um. Just not. I, it doesn't mean anything if it is, but it's just yeah. kind of a. I mean, yeah. There's not. Connection. There's not much to go off of with Tracking her the shield to know where where John Walker is. Yeah, I mean, there's there's not much to go off of with her. There's nothing to indicate anymore that she's the power broker. Yeah, I mean, they. She does say, you know, the power broker knows you killed um, Doctor Nagel, and oh, yeah. he's angry about it. And the, she, you know, <laughs> I think three times in that that conversation or four times she says he for the power broker mm-hmm. which could the the amount of times that they say it you know it's not an uncommon word to say but it makes me almost wonder if they're just you know trying to throw it off throw her off because like how would she know the power broker's angry and she seemed to be right. pretty angry after that scene herself when she was right. like we have a big problem so um i still do think she's the power broker you know um with with sharon it's like the power broker almost has to be somebody we know already because to introduce a brand new character this late in the series as like this huge antagonist, I think would be pretty hard to sell. Right. So it it could be Sharon. It could be, you know, someone we've seen in the MCU before. I think you had a thought about that. So are your, yeah. So I was going to get to this at one point. Are your, your theory is still Sharon. Yeah, I do think okay. it's Sharon. So I'm I'm with you on Sharon at this point. Not fully though, just for a sake of argument. I have two other predictions I've heard that okay. seem logical. Okay. G- given some of the things we've talked about here. One, Justin Hammer being it. the power broker. It would it'd be Sam Rockwell's return to the MCU as the meme lord himself, Justin Hammer. I would Hammer. love it. I would I, love it. It would be perfect. Mm-hmm perfect way to bring him back um as an as both an arms dealer as a uh vibranium vibranium dealer as a uh, vaccine dealer super soldier serum yeah dealer. it'd be a nice it, way to bring um roadie back into the series a little bit too yeah and maybe this sets up something for armor wars mm-hmm. i i almost think he's definitely coming back for armor wars yeah it would be cool. It would be really cool to see Hammer like suit up and be kind of like this evil Tony Stark sort of. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily evil, but like maybe he joins the Thunderbolts. Like I hate to just say that for every character, but like <laughs> he could be their <laughs> Iron Man. Like he could bankroll them or something, you know? That'd be cool. Right. So yeah, so Sharon Carter, Justin Hammer, or the third one is Thunderbolt Ross himself. Mm, it's it's a little it's a little out of character, but it it would make sense if he's trying to set up this uh if he's trying to set up some sort of team himself. And he's dealing out of Madripoor, mm, trying to look for be. looking for some of the shadiest characters he can find. See, that could be really interesting because, you know, with all the ties to the government and everything in this mm-hmm. series, and he has ties, you know, to Sharon. Um, mm, that's really interesting because mm-hmm. he could have theoretically 
you know, after either, maybe we don't know if he survived the blip because we don't know anything about him after Infinity Wars the last time we saw him. Right. But, um, you know, you could see how, you know, his push for these Sokovia Accords could have cost him his job <laughs> after Thanos killed half the people in, a, in the Pretty in the much. You know, it's like, hey, you're the reason the Avengers weren't Couldn't. together to stop yeah. to stop Thanos. Right. So, and the Accords were a huge reason of that. Um, and I could see him, well, he, you know, being cast out or something. He was That's sec- really interesting. Was he set? He was Secretary of Defense, right? Or I think no? at that point. Or Homeland Security. It was it was a cabinet position at that point. I think state. I think secretary. Secretary of state. Of state. Oh, you're right. I'm it was to secretary think of, of state. Vision line when he's like, <laughs> secretary of state's here to see you or something. Yeah, um, that's yeah, right. I think it's state. It was secretary of state. I knew it was a high profile cabinet mm-hmm. position, but you're right. It was state, and state would be the one that would deal with the UN. So uh, that would make the most sense. Um, but yeah, the, I'm. I mean, you pulled out a lot more than I'd thought of. So, um. That that seems like a pretty logical next step for him once he's been outcast to possibly build his own superpowered team. Right. And that would make sense why he would like fund Nagel and have him look into the super soldier serum. Because he I mean, he was the one who um conducted all the experiments for abomination to like recreate the serum, right? He right. wanted super soldiers. Yeah. In the Incredible Hulk. And the fact that he's now dealing he would be dealing the serum itself to build his own team would be one that actually works i mean yeah at this point at this point we have u.s agent that's what john walker is at this point he's no longer captain america well he he is but like to the people that know who u.s agent is yeah we we know that he's not right um I'm envisioning now a post-credit scene of (laughs) the falcon and the winter soldier in the last episode where um Zemo gets home and you know his butler's like sir the power broker's here to see you and he walks into like a dark room <laughs> and it's it's basically like an echo of the Iron Man 1 scene but like with Ross and, <laughs> and Zemo <laughs> and he's like I'm putting a team together <laughs> but I, I really I'm I'm liking this theory a lot I haven't really seen that anywhere so that's a good that's a good call out yeah that's, that would be you know a really good possibility I don't think there would be too much explaining they would have to do to get there. Because, I mean, they they did the same thing with Sharon, where it's like she disillusioned by everything that happened, basically. It's like, you know, they, they, they went there pretty quickly. So. I forget. It, you mentioned it before. Is Black Widow supposed to take place after Infinity War, right? No. Or right before Infinity War? Yeah, it's before Infinity War, after okay. Civil War. It's like in that okay three-year gap or whatever oh it's after civil war that's right i'm sorry that, that's why i was yep. getting mixed up you're right mm-hmm. so yeah i mean i don't know i i like that idea i think it would be really interesting and that's a good i mean that's a good zemo being a very prominent member of the thunderbolts in the comics and mm-hmm. most likely a prominent member of the mcu version of the team it would make a lot of sense for ross to show up in this series at some point if not as the power broker then you know towards the end um it's in some capacity but the power broker would make a lot of sense because the, the, the idea, the Thunderbolts, I don't think, I don't think they're like government sanctioned. I think they're like off the books, like send them places. We can't send the Avengers like a suicide squad, but not yeah. as, <laughs> as formal, I guess. Right. So that's, that's really interesting. I like that theory. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, going back to Sharon, I feel like we didn't get enough of her yeah. in this episode. 
So um, basically, we've we've disbanded everyone said it. We've narrowed our choices down the sound of it to Sharon or Ross. Yeah, so. I think I think Hammer could happen. I I just. <laughs> I think you have a lot, you have a lot more to explain than if it's one of the other two, right? Like, yeah. like you have to dedicate at least like, you know, 10 minutes of like exposition spread out over the next two episodes. So I, I think that's a lot. I could, I could see either of those two. And I, I think it would only be those two that could fill it at this point. Mm. No, at the beginning, when they first mentioned power broker, I wondered if that was how they're going to introduce Zemo, but oh, that definitely is not the case. Mm-hmm. Sharon showing the access like to something like a satellite that can just like track random people is pretty she has connections yeah she has connections for sure and I I think there's more going on there I I wanted more in this episode of her just so we could start to piece that together a little bit more probably get Um, more of it in the next episode yeah we all we have to you know going back to to Carly and you know she makes that call to Sam he shows up in his full falcon gear and john walker also shows up to crash the party again again this time (laughs) he is super powered yeah he's definitely taking the serum at this point yeah there's there's no doubt about it the first kind of hint of it i didn't catch this but i saw someone else pointed out is when he when he's walking through the building and he throws the shield at the wall misses and it just goes in like a foot into the wall mm-hmm. i don't know why i didn't catch that i just thought like we, we've only really seen like powered people kind of throw the shield at walls so I, yeah. I didn't know if that was super soldier related but i think it i think it is and i think that's what that was meant to show but i didn't catch it i didn't catch it till they very bluntly had him kick somebody 45 feet right. <laughs> down the stairs and bend the pipe in half <laughs> <laughs> yeah the uh the the pipe bending was what set it off for me like oh yeah that's that, he's that's yeah. pretty much the soldiers are pretty much the only people that can do that mm-hmm. yeah and sam was like what did you do <laughs> like he knew immediately <laughs> that he took that serum mm-hmm. yeah the, some of the fight scenes in this whole sequence are really cool there sam uses his jetpack to like burn somebody <laughs> oh yeah did you catch that in that I, in, I in the last part of the fight yeah he like turns his back <laughs> towards him and uses the like jet propulsion of his of his pack to burn them it was cool it was a good fight um we see bucky do the night flip from i did see that winter soldier that yeah. was cool a little on the nose but fun <laughs> yeah but in general good fight ends you know with the loss of lamar with carly literally throwing him into a pillar punching him into a pillar it was well, yeah. brutal yeah i mean one punch and he hit that pillar and i knew i mean they made a big deal out of it like he, the music stopped everyone every i thought it was weird that everyone stopped fighting because like this was another like kind of like very minor criticism but like when she punched lamar into the wall and it was obvious he was dead carly like kind of froze she took her mask off and looked like sad and shocked but it was like right before that she was like i'm gonna kill captain america that's what she said i was like why are you like upset that you you were clearly setting out to kill these people well Uh, i i think this is what i was mentioning this is what i was talking about before with her um starting to realize that sam was right because this would be this would be the first kill she has after that conversation that we know of Mm -hmm. the first kill she has after that conversation right yeah so and all over all the other times she has killed somebody it's been through she hasn't been there Mm. it's been with a bomb or from a distance that's true that we know of but we know of i think you're right though because this This is is the first this is the first time she is intimately watching somebody die in front of her that 
Sam has talked, Sam was talking about how you're literally killing people you don't know. You don't know what lives they had. You don't know who they are. But when she sees, she doesn't know Lamar, but when she sees him actually die, it hits her that, oh my God, I am actually killing another human being. Yeah. For my cause. Yeah. If that changes her character, I, I don't know, but I, I doubt it. But I think it only shows her that Sam was right, that what you're, I, I support your cause, but not the way you're going about it. Yeah. And that's a really good point. I didn't, I didn't think about that because that way that, that she killed Lamar was like brutal, man. I, I yeah. mean, it, it almost reminded me of, you know, um, I'm guessing everyone watched Infinity War, but spoilers for Infinity War <laughs> at this when point. Thanos kills Loki. Like, yeah, and that that like realism of the, of the death, like mm-hmm. you can just he, you can almost like just feel the death. I don't know. It was weird. Like it was. Ugh. It yeah. gave me like chills because he just the way he hit the wall. It was like, oh boy, that was yeah. He's impactful. dead. There was weight behind that punch, behind the way he hit that pillar, and uh, I I mean I was like, wow, that's one of the more brutal scenes we've seen in the MCU until mm. <laughs> i mean we see a more brutal one i think in a little bit and then you know they after that they split i mean carly runs and the rest kind of follow suit mm-hmm. and john just is like rages out yeah and this is where you know his mental uh, he really breaks. snaps his he his moral his... compass is gone literally yes. lamar was his moral compass yeah if you think about it i mean mm-hmm. lamar was the one that basically said that we can do so much good if we have that serum or mm. we can do so much good if you're captain America. But now that he's dead, there's nothing holding him back. He has nothing to lose. I mean, yeah. he has a wife, but we haven't seen her since the first, since the second episode. Right. So we don't know how close of a relationship they have since he has actually become captain America. I, I would imagine we'll see her in the next episode based on Probably. the events of the based end of this on, one. Yeah. But you know, you're right. I mean, it's like, cap losing bucky right like this is the per- he went to battle with this guy he went to war mm-hmm. with this guy he was his like confidant like best friend like it, it, it you know it's you kind of get a sense that this is what not it would it's not what steve would have been like if bucky died but this is comparable to steve losing bucky and you know how yeah. hard he fought to to keep bucky alive even when bucky was trying to kill him so it's like right you know it's it's and- a very and to another into another point, another contrasting element to John and Steve. Steve went into battle with both Bucky and Sam, and they both lived. This is the first time that John oh not the first time, but John has gone into battle with Lamar a handful of times, even prior to becoming Captain America. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time we see him let somebody not let somebody die, but somebody dies on his watch. I, well, I mean, Bucky died twice under Steve's watch. <laughs> well, that's that's a little different. <laughs> Bucky got he died I, once and got blipped once. <laughs> okay. I get yeah, well the blip he couldn't control. <laughs> let's let, let's be fair here, but um, to <laughs> you you know what I'm trying to say though. Yeah, that, I know what you're trying to say. <laughs> yeah, that. That this would not have happened to Bucky if it was in you know in the same situation with Steve and Bucky instead of Lamar and John. Right. That's that's yep. what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, because the power of Steve to protect people is because of who Steve is and not right. because of the serum, which right. everyone in this episode is 
you know, they're looking at the serum as they the answer that. to saving people, the answer to stopping the bad in the world. Right. But for Steve, it was that was never the answer. It was always like that he's a good man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, the the parallels, you know, they name drop Steve a couple times in this episode. And the reason is because of the parallels that they draw between Steve and John and, you know, and Sam and John, really. Yeah. I mean, you and I have been talking about this since the second episode when we actually got to know more of John, that mm-hmm. that they, they're purposely setting these two up to be completely different people. Yeah. Um, basically, what's, again, to your question of what if, like, what if Steve was not Steve? What if mm-hmm. he was another one of the soldiers? Mm-hmm. Um, and Sam is the placeholder for Steve in this case because we're starting, at least now, to understand more of where Sam is coming from mm-hmm. and he's starting to realize back to kind of back to our conversation at the beginning about symbols starting to realize that it's not necessarily the symbol that defines the person it's the person that defines the symbol in this case yep he didn't want Sam didn't want to take the shield because for the for the reasons of he didn't feel like he could represent or his country never represented him but I'm projecting a little bit here. I don't think it's a far stretch to think he might, if he decides to take the mantle, he could start to realize that I can now represent this country right. for what it is. He can define what the shield means. Right. It's instead not, of John Walker defining what the shield means, which makes me wonder if the shield's going to exist at the end of the series. I, I, I wonder that. John Walker. They, they, have, they have brought up the shield being destroyed twice. And now the shield has been metaphorically destroyed by the end of this episode. Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, so, you know, if we could just diving into that, you know, you have the scene at the end, John Walker chasing the flag smasher out into the middle of the square. And then you know, this was Carly's right hand man, too. Yeah. Yeah. The one she confided in earlier in the episode at the. Uh, who the said that Captain America was his favorite. Yes. said so Captain America was who he idolized growing up. And then he just gets his chest caved in by the shield of Captain America. And just while he's, I mean, he's begging for his life and saying, it wasn't me. I didn't kill, I didn't kill him, which it wasn't. It was Carly. Yeah, yeah. But John is just, you know, he's he doesn't care. Yeah. He doesn't care. And just, man, he, you see people start to get their phones out and he is just wailing you know, just on, with on the this guy. End. And, yeah. you know, looking at the, the contrast, the contrast between, john and steve that they're drawing in this episode like i i didn't think of this because i saw someone else put it out online in the civil war yeah where at the end of civil war steve is hanging over tony in the same exact position yes with the shield up in the air but instead of going for tony's head like it's implied he goes for the the suit yeah he just powers the suit down and walks away throws yeah. the shield walks away and you know that was a situation where tony was fully ready and would have if he had the if he would have won the fight killed bucky yeah he was going to kill bucky like steve's best friend this was a flag smasher that was with somebody that killed his best friend but wasn't the one that actually even killed him and and john still just bashed his chest in i mean presumably like cut the guy in half with the vibranium right it seemed like that's what happened (laughs) like i saw the i saw the running joke that he's now decapitation america (laughs) it it seemed like he hit him in the chest and not the head but i don't know um but still, but I mean, you, I mean, I, I, I'm assuming I, I was wondering this at first. I'm assuming we didn't see blood when Lamar died 
because Disney has some sort of limit on how much blood they're they're going to show. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming now it's because of that last scene because that those steps are covered. Yeah. I mean, it it's brutal. I don't think we've seen mm-hmm. blood like that in the MCU. We haven't like, seen some violence sides, like that in the MCU no. in general. Yeah. Me, I mean, the Punisher is not MCU, but exactly. like, I, that's, that's probably the closest like, thing. Punisher, Daredevil got pretty visceral with some mm-hmm. of the violence and some of the gore. But no, I mean, that those, you know, at this point probably aren't. <laughs> very, They're not canon. Pretty much canon, yeah. So, yeah, it, it this was a brutal scene. And, you know, the by the end of it, just that last shot of John standing with the blood all over the shield was my goodness. That is, yeah. that is going to be an iconic shot. I saw someone um, point out, I think on um, kind of funny that it almost felt like they were recreating a comic book cover. You know what I mean? Like they, it, it they have those like shots one. in the MCU. Like there's the one civil war with the, the beam off of the Iron Man's beam off the cap shield. Yeah. Um, like, you know, that they're, they're clearly recreating comic book covers, but that felt like, I was like, is this, something they're trying to recreate because it was just so iconic it looked like, like instantly it. Like that, that that image will never probably never leave my my head no it has to be one of i mean it's going to be one of the most memorable images for the mcu like it's just like they is it a blunt metaphor yeah but does it work yes yes <laughs> i mean you can be unsettled and blunt and, and still yeah. be effective I, and I think the reason that it's so effective is because they spent so much of this series talking about the symbolism of that shield, mm-hmm. like how much that means, who it represents, who it doesn't represent, you know, who's carrying it, why are they carrying it, what does that person represent outside of the shield, and just to see it <laughs> soaked in blood <laughs> is just like, my goodness. And well, I'm, I'm tearing up a little bit just thinking <laughs> of it um this this plays in to my um i don't want to say it's a theory because it's really not a theory this is my my read on it that this show is really about supremacy in one way or another i've mentioned this a few times i mean we're four episodes in and there's been a form of supremacy of some sort in each one. Oh yeah and the first two episodes are domestic supremacy on uh, the first episode we get uh sam and sarah in the bank um, not being able to get alone, it's implied because of their race. Mm-hmm. Episode two, we get Isaiah Bradley's background of because of his race being and and even the whole in- incident with the cops. Uh, but Isaiah Bradley specifically, because of his race, uh, he was experimented on and thrown in prison afterward. Um, yeah. Then in episode three and four is more of a global supremacy that we see um in episode three carly starts discussing how the grc is more of a dominant geopolitical force that doesn't really help poor people Mm -hmm. uh they're really just helping richer countries and richer people that have come back and displaced Mm -hmm. millions of poor people at this point um and she is also a supremacist in a way in the fact that she blows up one of the one of their buildings she believes she's better than them mm-hmm. yeah and she wants more super soldiers maybe just to further her ideals and to further things which is pretty much supremacy uh, right in one yeah it in i mean form. i mean her and the grc are essentially two sides of the same coin mm-hmm. if you think about it and then this episode there it's all over the place because they i mean both or all three of them carly john and zemo all believe that they are above one group in one way or another um zemo believes he's above super soldiers 
I mean, he has a personal vendetta against them for a reason. Yeah. Um, but he believes that he's better than all of them. Carly, again, as mentioned, believes she's better than any governmental organization that it wants to help people. But there probably really are people that volunteer or work for that organization that truly want to help. Yeah. And John, obviously, like he just absolutely dominates one of the flag smasher one of the flag smashers in a public square yep um because it was a public he, execution it was that he believes that he is again that he is better than what they're doing but he is essentially doing the same thing mm-hmm. not to say uh, drove it was quote innocent but performing a public execution like that isn't what captain america does no he's not judge jury and executioner <laughs> he's not judge dread yeah <laughs> Yes. I so, mean, it, yeah. So I'm, I'm curious if this pattern is going to follow in the next two episodes in one way or another, whether it's reconciling uh, the supremacy that uh, our modern systems have developed, or if it's, or if they try and find some sort of solution or bring up some ideas of how we can deal with these. Yeah. And I think one, one thing I would have liked to have seen more from the flag smashers and you know the more we talk about it the more i would i would say i, I wish we had almost an entire episode focused on them mm-hmm. like you know from the blip seeing a couple of them dealing with the situations that led them to become flag smashers you know particularly carly with a focus on her mm-hmm. um you know showing what exactly the grc is doing wrong and and i want to know if the flag smashers like did they go about it initially in a, a more peaceful way and it didn't work or like what like because you have to think the world in that the state that it was in is looking for ideas like solutions so what Mm -hmm. what do the flag smashers want what's their ultimate goal like they mentioned people got displaced they also mentioned like more world related goals with like open borders and you know a a united country but like what does that mean Mm -hmm. what do they want like what once they keep stealing these vaccines are they just going to keep doing these like ground level operations to help people do right. they want to overthrow the government? Do they want like what? What yeah. is their end game? Like, it's hard to it's hard to piece together. And I I hope it comes a little bit more into focus. Yeah, I hope um, I hope uh, I'm I'm projecting this based on the the pandemic theory, but I hope they found a workaround if that was the case. That that would have provided a lot more focus because the blip mm-hmm. is such a huge event that it, it's. I mean, you could almost see with the pandemic related story that it would be like the GRC was formed to fight the pandemic, but then the blip happened and they stopped fighting the pandemic and let those people suffer while they helped the people that came back from the blip or something, you know, like that to me is a lot more focused while still keeping the aspect of the blip like as a, a cloud hanging over the series. Right. So I, I think they needed something like that to, to bring them into focus and maybe we'll get more of that but i i just because they do feel like they're fighting the system at this point and i just want to know what their plan is to fight the system right like just continue killing government Bombing officials places continue like creating super soldiers but to do what just steal vaccines and move them somewhere else because i mean that's gonna help some people but it's hurting others I, in the same process yeah it's kind of weird it's i just want more clarity yeah <laughs> that, paints them they you know they're they've they've given sympathy over clarity i guess is the way that they've they've gone about their story yeah so where so where do you think it's going to go from here i think 
I think next week we get a, a big focus on John Walker. Um, I, I would imagine they're, I, the government's just going to take the shield from him and lead him to be more unhinged and operate as a little bit more rogue. Because, um, I mean, there's no way they let him keep the shield, right? I don't think so. You almost wonder if – it would be an interesting plot point if they take it and give it to Sam – and Sam still doesn't really feel like he has earned it, but he has it now. That could be mm-hmm. like a kind of a, a, an interesting angle to take with all this. So, so two things with that. Uh, one, if Sam takes it, is he does he take it because he or does he almost refuse it because he doesn't feel ready to take it yet, or does he refuse it because of what he's still looking at the shield as a symbol and what that shield has done mm-hmm. in in this case. I think he takes it so that someone else doesn't, or they don't try it with another soldier, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I don't know if he's going to actually, you know, use it and take the mantle of Captain America. Mm-hmm. You know, I could see him taking the shield as a way to kind of protect the symbol. But then by the end of the series, finding that, like you said earlier, he has a chance to define the symbol now. Right. You know, and, and he, he, he'll take it on himself to kind of rebuild the the symbol from what john has done to it now Mm -hmm. and you know go public with uh, probably involve going public with isaiah bradley stuff and right you know declassifying all that Uh, i don't know if he has the about power to do that as captain america but (laughs) someone someone will do that you know he i i think that there's a lot that you know I, i don't i think sam will be hesitant i think he'll take it but he won't feel like he has earned it or he won't feel like he wants to represent it until the end of the series. Right. And you know, what could do that is a talk from Steve in the next episode. If Steve shows that, up, that's possible to that point though. And you and I are different on this, on the surprise cameo. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like, I feel like connecting Sam's uh, character arc of accepting a role that was kind of thrust upon him. I feel like it would have a li- just a little more weight if it were tied back to Black Panther, because T'Challa went through the same exact mm. character arc in in Black Panther, that's, from going that's... from Civil War to, to Black Panther, mm-hmm. and that's why I I feel like it's a it's a possibility that that we see Chadwick Boseman one last time in this franchise. I mean, the fact that that Sam doesn't realize or not say doesn't realize, but doesn't want to take on the role because he doesn't know what. He's unsure of how he either he can define that or define that symbol, or he feels like that symbol has defined this country. I feel like a, a talk from T'Challa of some sort would be, uh, well, I made the Black Panther a symbol for Wakanda and the rest of the world. Something along those lines. Do you, yeah, do you, that's that's you know, really you know what I'm interesting. Trying to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there, I mean, there was a whole the discussion in Black Panther about you know I can't live up we... to your legacy. Right. Yeah. Legacy was a huge theme of it. So Mm -hmm. that, yeah, that, you know, from that lens, that does make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Um, I still think it's Steve just because, you know, I I mean, it it would make sense. I expect them to give us some clarity on his situation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, what is it? They teased it at the beginning with the moon based joke, (laughs) but like, they've still never said whether he's like alive. Are they just keeping him in hiding? Why haven't they gone to him? I, I don't know. Or did he just jump back to his own timeline somehow or something? I don't Right. I don't know. Um, my, my, my second question, though, is, or second point, I should say, about uh, what, we, what we were discussing before was uh, when, 
is the government even going to tape the shield from John? Because it, they could very well twist that story to say, well, he stopped a terrorist with it. That would be what the real life government would do. <laughs> so yeah, I could see that. So that, that's a very real possibility that they spin, that they spin the story into uh, him oh, being, yeah. into this being a heroic uh, event. Yeah. And that could be the thing that, you know, really pushes Sam to be like, okay, like I have to do something about this. This is yeah. not the symbol that this is not what the symbol should stand for. This is not the man that should represent the symbol. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that would be really interesting. And I could definitely see that happening. <laughs> oh man, that would be a gut punch if they're like, <laughs> I, if they'd spin it, it. Uh, it, it would be so real though. <laughs> like they would spin it like crazy. Yeah. Because we all we all know what really happened. <laughs> Sam and Bucky know what happened. Zima doesn't know what happened, but he'll see that footage and know what is happening. Yeah. Um. And Carly, that that would only give Carly more reason to hate any to hate the system. Right. To yeah, because I mean, that, the flag smashers are terrorists to them, right? Yeah. Like that's that's John Walker's view of them going in, and like. He probably got that view from the government too. Like they, yeah. I'm sure they, the people sending him on his missions have that same view of the flag smashers, mm-hmm. you know, that Sam doesn't share. So I, yeah, I, I think that's more likely. Um, I think, I think it is going to have an effect on John. I don't think he's just going to go outright villain. I think there's going to no. be some like, uh, not soul searching, but you know, ramifications for him that I think ultimately will end up leading him down a more villainous path. Like, I don't, I think, you know, the government's going to prop him up, enable him, and he's going to struggle with that for a bit. Um, And I think, like I mentioned earlier, I think his wife will probably come in for a scene now that Lamar's gone, Mm -hmm. um, just to give him a chance to do some exposition, I guess, (laughs) about his mental state, you know. We're we're probably going to get an exposition dump in the next episode. Or the therapist. They could could give him a therapy session with (laughs) with her. The the power broker would like to see you in Rothschilds walking in right there. What if the therapist is the power broker? Oh my god. Paul Bettany's the power broker. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um but I think I I kind of get the sense that Carly and the Flag Smashers won't make it out alive of mm-hmm. the series. No, it, it just seems like they're heading towards that. I don't know how you I don't know how you resolve their conflict peacefully. It sounds it seems like that chance blew by and john walker blew that at this point when i mean when john killed carly's i'm gonna say best friend um closest ally she's going to be just as unhinged at this point Mm -hmm. there's nothing holding her back either Mm -hmm. essentially her there's so many coins being flipped around her and john are two sides of the same coin if you think about it Uh because they both are it's they're both unstable extreme individuals who are both being held back by somebody who has a moral compass or i mean it well grant she still blows up buildings but Mm -hmm. at at least there's somebody there to say hey i think we're doing too much or or is is this end scene meant to say uh, like you mentioned after she killed lamar she really felt that you could see it when she Mm -hmm. lifted her mask up so that the viewers could see a reaction, <laughs> but um, <laughs> you, I, I feel like if that is how we're to read that scene, which I think it is, you know, after hearing the way you describe it, um, could it be that she 
starts to really see the ramifications mm-hmm. she's like oh there's a real risk here for us like these people are gonna kill us they're gonna snuff us out i murdered this person that feels horrible to do that I, mm-hmm. like i'm starting to to feel that and I, I you almost think that like you know drawing the parallels back to black panther that it, it's a similar case where the villain like quote-unquote villain being the flag smashers even though the series kind of has multiple villains yeah um or antagonists the they're not necessarily is, wrong they're just the real going villain, about it the wrong yeah the real villain is supremacy yes <laughs> yes <laughs> But like they, they both have these villains or antagonists that have the right ideas and the right belief system and mm-hmm. and their worldview is valid, but the way they go about it might be a little bit too extreme. They say they see things in a very black and white way. Yeah. So you almost think that it's kind of a similar case with Black Panther where the, the villain loses, the antagonist loses but their worldview kind of moves forward and there's there's progress in that sense like the flag smashers ultimately get what they want but they either aren't around to see it or you know it's in not as a violent manner as they they think they have to make it happen yeah as far as john walker um and where that goes you know we talked about whether we think he loses the shield to the government or not um based on your reasoning i'm that's up in the air Uh, it is up in the air i I think we'll find out very quickly in the next episode because oh man not not to get too political but it would draw the um comparisons to trump like (laughs) yeah well i mean to be fair we are talking about a very politics heavy show yeah but like you know, I remember when when Trump was running for the election and saying I, I could shoot somebody on on the street that, and, on, on Times Square or something, and, yeah. and people would still vote for me. It's like yeah. you know, like by the end of his administration, you kind of felt that was true. Yeah, and you could if they like forgive John Walker, it's kind of the same type of thing, right? Essentially, like they have camera footage of him bludgeoning somebody to death and probably cutting them in half with Captain America's shield, and and people would kind of you know ignore it and move on and still calling captain america so um i i think there there probably has to be a line for john to cross um I think in this series to get it. to get <laughs> uh, that's what i'm wondering like because <laughs> at some point he's gonna have to cross a line for the government to accept uh, okay. Santa's cap you know what i mean yeah. or sam has to like take the mantle and own it and show them the way that this john is really how it should them, be this is how it should be yeah yeah so if if this wasn't the line for the government i'm kind of scared to see what will be (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know like like he'd have to go really unhinged i think to go past this one um with the shield i i i still am kind of leaning towards they take it and Mm -hmm. um you know give it to sam and he has to kind of still wrestle with it a little bit and have it even though he doesn't feel that he's ready to own it yet um so i think that's kind of where we're headed and then i mean the other player in this all is Bucky and we don't really have a sense of what what's going on with him I I almost wonder like you know we've talked a lot about Ross and we touched on the Sokovia Accords a little bit earlier but are they still a thing do we know I know at this point it's at this point it has to be no it wasn't really acknowledged Mm -hmm. I mean that's a good question I I feel like at this point Civil War happened then the blip happened. If we're yeah. just talking chronologically, at that point, I feel like all bets are off. When yeah, they're when like literally okay. <laughs> half the world disappeared. Yeah, and, and I mean half the Avengers disappeared. Most of the Avengers disappeared. 
Right. Um, I feel like at this point they're just they're probably still there, but not really enforced. They they have to be right because otherwise the, I mean Sam and Bucky broke Zemo out of prison, so like in yeah. Germany, so like they can't they can't be right. I mean, <laughs> initially I was wondering when they started off the series because, you know Sam was working with the Air Force, so that would probably fall under the Scovia Accords. Uh, even his first mission to get the Flag Smashers was you know him working with Torres, and he left from the an Air Force base. Mm-hmm. But now they're just kind of like gallivanting around germany with the man who broke the avengers up it's like (laughs) like flying around in the skies and you know punching people and it's like yeah i don't know if this is sanctioned per se (laughs) (laughs) it goes back to like the jurisdiction jurisdiction question of the dora milaje where they're like we have jurisdiction everywhere we go (laughs) it's like you guys don't know how this works yeah (laughs) yeah so um, yeah, just kind of a passing thought. It seems like they don't. I wish they would just outright say it so that we could move past them. I mean, listeners out there, if uh, if there was a line we missed of some sort where they acknowledge it, please let us know on social media or an email. Oh, well, okay. So in WandaVision, Hayward references that Wanda violated the Scovia Accords. Oh, yeah, you're right. Direct fight. That's why he had the authority to go over, and uh, and he was able to call the army in and different right. military branches. So they must be saying that he that she stole his body. That's right. Uh-huh. You're right. So they are still in effect. Yeah, as of Wandavision, which was a couple weeks after the blip. So who knows if like because of the everyone coming back, if they eventually got rid of them. Uh, like there 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 have to be ramifications for Sam, or at least well, you know what I, I guess. That whole Zemo breakout could be seen as Bucky doing the dirty work for Sam, so Sam can keep his hands clean because he did it without Sam even knowing. That's that's so very true too. You could easily see. I mean, <laughs> we keep tying everything back to this, but like, is Bucky now in trouble with the government and ends up on the Thunderbolts too? <laughs> it's possible. Like, I mean, he could be kind of like the straight man, the the moral compass for the Thunderbolts. <laughs> if like, if you know, if you have people like. Oh, John Walker. I can't imagine John Walker now at this point being on there, but um, I could still see him being on the Thunderbolts. Possibly. I could see. I could see Ross coming in, doing a an Iron Man style ending, walking into John Walker and being like, "Hey, I'm putting together yeah. a team. We're not as <laughs> yeah. uh, we're not as clean cut as the other guys." Right. Yeah. But anyways, I could I could see that happening. Yeah. We'll see. Because I guess Sam really hasn't done much to violate them aside flying around in um latvia or wherever they are that would be that would be an interesting thunderbolts lineup though with both zemo and uh walker on on it yeah zemo, zemo and super soldiers yeah <laughs> zemo bucky walker <laughs> yelena abomination abomination <laughs> it's all super I mean, soldiers and zemo <laughs> okay so it, it very much like it mirrors um the first avengers lineup you would have yelena Black assassin Widow. yeah you have john walker captain america yeah you would have um abomination hulk hulk zemo as the rich guy yeah Iron man <laughs> yeah um who are we missing <laughs> who would be thor bucky i don't know <laughs> that's that's the missing link loki yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Loki. <laughs> Loki's yeah. really oh, just a setup to put him on the, to bring this all back together. It's all just a setup to bring him on the Thunderbolts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. It, but that, that would almost like mirrors them. 
yeah a little bit a little bit it's a yeah. stretch but i mean the big ones that mirror like would be john walker abomination and black widow but yeah <laughs> so yeah i mean i think i can't think of much else to cover right in this no, episode this, i mean there was, that, phew, there was a was lot a, in this one that was a very weighty good episode i mean there was some hum there was some humor in it but um mostly it seemed very serious um i still kind of have the same concerns that you know we talked about previously with the series where uh, i think it would suck if zemo just kind of dipped and that was it and he pulled one over on them and mm-hmm. at least he didn't outright betray them he kind of just slipped away which is mm-hmm. a little better but I, I also want them to dive a little bit more into the racial issues. They keep flirting around it. <laughs> it's like, it's not necessarily enough. Like they need to go back. They need to go and they probably will. They have to go back to Isaiah Bradley again. Right. right. They have at to some, revisit at, that. At some point there has to be another acknowledgement of them. Yeah. And not just in conversation. I think he needs to show up and I think they need, there needs to be more between he and Sam. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of why I looking at, that the show's the theme and main villain of supremacy yeah. why I, I kind of broke up the first two and the, these last two into d- a domestic and a global viewpoint mm-hmm. of it because i mean the first two they were in the u.s and the second two they've been in europe the whole time right and i'm wondering or in uh Madripoor, so i'm wondering in the third two if it's just kind of a mix of both at that point uh, I will say, I know we've been at this for a while. I will say, I, I just watched um, this week an, an interview with Anthony Mackie on Hot Ones. Have, have you seen that episode? Not that one. I've seen Hot Ones though. Okay, it's for any for anybody out there who doesn't know what Hot Ones is. It's a it's a an interview talk show where the whole concept is the whole gimmick is that uh, the person eats like ten hot wings and each one gets progressively hotter. They're all homemade sauces. Um, I was listening to, or I was watching his interview. It's probably been one of my favorites of the whole series. Mm. Um, but one of the first questions they asked him was about working on Falcon Winter Soldier. And I forget the complete context, but the quote he had was, the side characters are always the best characters in, in just about anything. Uh-huh. And ever since I heard that, I, I've always kind of thought that, but hearing that from a professional, just kind of like set off all these uh, triggers in my head of, of examples but i think that really rings true with this show because both uh sam and bucky for over a decade now have been side characters in yeah. captain america's story now we're finally getting a a deep dive into both of their characters and, yeah. and their arts of where they could go mm-hmm um uh, he was talking about specifically uh in any story the side characters are, are always the best because they're the ones that live within this world no matter what it is if it's a fantasy if it's drama sci-fi uh a war movie an action movie etc um the side character or the main character is always the viewer's eyes into this world that you're in you are right. that they're always the ones talked to about what's going on but the side characters are always the ones that live within this world know and understand it so the fact that for once and i've always wanted to see something like this for once we're getting and we even got this with wandavision uh we're getting deep dives into those side characters who have never gotten a full development is a great uh is absolutely fantastic to me yeah and you know because of disney plus right like yeah if if disney plus didn't exist 
you know, that they would have never gotten a movie to tell this story, you know, like it just wouldn't have happened. I mean, maybe there would have been like a, you know, and there probably still will be a a Sam Wilson, Captain America movie. Mm -hmm. Um, but you wouldn't have had that in between. Like they even set that up with Endgame, right? They could have gone either way. It could yeah. have been like, "Hey, here's the shield, Sam," and then Sam Wilson, Captain America movie. There we go. But no one the, would have questioned the, it. We'd have been the, like, "Okay, that's cool." But now we get this whole story of like, "Hey, here, here he is." But here's why he's taking the mantle. Right. It, it's just like it's so amazing. Like you just fill in the gaps with this like six hours of content. It's a Sam Wilson, Captain America origin story exactly yeah which you know we wouldn't have gotten like if we got no. a sam wilson captain america movie it would not have been this we would not have had you know the john walker with the shield like it, mm-hmm. it never would have been as complicated and you know as as thought out as it is it just would have been yep he's captain america now yeah and that's it so it's it's so cool to get these stories in between right um and have I mean, this be able to exist so yeah overall probably the best of the series this yep. this show definitely or this show this episode definitely put this series into probably my top 10 of the mcu really this, this episode in particular i'm mm-hmm. i'm excited to see what comes over the next two weeks yeah i'm i'm excited to kind of talk about our rankings um i i don't know this one could go a lot of places depending on mm-hmm. how how it sticks to landing right mm-hmm. um as of right now it's trending in the right direction to be yes like excellent right so i'm i'm very excited um you know ranking the episode so far i'd put this one at the top um yeah. i'd still you know keep my other three in the same order so four four two one three um and i think really out of all of them three was probably overall the weakest not necessarily completely weak but i, I definitely thought it was clear that four two and one were stronger yeah see to me to me it's four two three one i think okay. I, th- I think one i i like it i think it's a great reintroduction to everybody but that after seeing what the rest of the show has done that opening action scene just hasn't it, it it's it doesn't work for me yeah i think the opening action scene now looking back on it is like <laughs> hey everybody this is mcu quality like yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean like that yeah. was to say Hey, stick around. We're going to we're going to slow it down a little bit, but this is what you're in for later, you yeah. know. And it was, you know, you weren't playing with any main characters like they just, you know, used the Batrock villain fodder <laughs> for the beginning of it who is like, you know, is becoming I think, you know, one more appearance at the beginning of a film or series and he'll be a meme. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but yeah, I I I, I could see that. I think I just liked the character work in the first episode yeah. um, enough to put it over three for me. I thought three was just a little a little bit messy. Yeah, that's fair. I think it definitely, four definitely brought it back to, to, to where it needs to be, I think. Yeah. So. All right. Well, if you have any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns on either anything we missed or any thoughts that you have, you want to tell them our socials? Yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at our INF Watchers Pod. Um, and you can also um, send us an email at um, infinitywatcherspod at gmail.com um, if you have a question or, or anything related to that. Our, our Instagram handle is the same as our Twitter. Um, and then you can find us on Facebook just by searching Infinity Watchers. Give us a like. Give us a shout out. Show us to your friends. Yeah, and give us a, you know, Apple Podcasts has a pretty comprehensive review system. So, you know, if you have a 
if you have the ability to you know leave a comment give us a rating and review we'd really appreciate it we gotta please the algorithm gods you know <laughs> get us to the top of the list <laughs> we gotta move up <laughs> all right well that just about does it for us this week i'm jared and i'm john and thanks for listening we'll be back next week 